Good morning and welcome to Sport and Life and Sam Kekovic and Leon Wegard. Sam, good morning to you. Good morning, my dear friend, and uh, top of the morning to you. We've both been away since uh, we had a chat. You've been to uh, uh, the Tiwi Islands. I've been, t- I've been to... Uh, well, to Noosa, uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. Talk about culturally, diametrically opposed. <laughs> but I did. I went to Tiwi Islands to present the Witten uh, Medal uh, with a group of guys over in Bathurst Island, which is interesting. But whilst we're on the subject of footy, I've got to tell you, I don't know what, if you, what, you thought, what your thoughts are, but over the past two weeks since the season started, the AFL have been an easy kicking target. You know, we're, and, you know everyone knocks the AFL. But I've got to say, the quality of football in the first two weeks, I don't know whether it's sustainable or not, has been very, very entertaining. They're moving the ball quickly. Whoever's responsible for that uh, man-on-the-mark rule, which I can see some problems evolving in due course. But in the interim, so far, so good. What do you think? The Footscray game was sensational. Mm. And uh, I, I say the Footscray game because they won it. Uh, could have gone either way uh, with two minutes to go. but yeah. um, And the yes. calibre of football is great. It's wide open, you know, a bit of marking. There's, you know, players are getting involved. There's no those, those rolling mellows that we've been accustomed to, which has become a blight on the game. Now, thinking about football, Geelong versus um, uh, Brisbane Lions, what do you think of the umpiring? I thought the umpiring was disgraceful. <laughs> and not, no, not for what you think. You reckon that howler in the end was the difference between the two sides. I'm telling you, I nearly turned the TV off in the first half. I thought it was deplorable, the amount of free kicks that Brisbane Lions got that weren't even marginal. You'd swear blind that they were... Look, I know you don't believe in conspiracies, but I honestly thought there might have been something sinister going on. They got about. They were the recipients of 15 free kicks which weren't even there. The Brisbane Lions? The Brisbane Lions. So well, I thought poetic justice prevailed in the end. Oh, come off it. So, Anyway, that's another matter. So you've been burdened with Fitzroy, you know, all yes. your life, you know, you've been suppressed and marginalised, so you always got that underdog siege mentality. Yes. Me, who's come from the, not the top end of the food chain. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Somewhere around base camp. <laughs> well, talking about the team that you played for, North Melbourne. Oh, here he is. We have a 13-year president of North Melbourne as our special guest today, one of the best-known names in Australia, Bob Anseth. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Leon, and good morning, Sam. Well, uh, nothing changes, you know, down here in Melbourne. It's all footy talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bob, I must, sorry for interrupting, but he, now, he's a very humble man, Bob Ansett. He wouldn't mention this, but if it wasn't for Bob Ansett, North Melbourne wouldn't be on the radar now. He saved North Melbourne. He was innovative, the greatest marketeer in the world, as we know. But he also uh, made Friday Night Football North Melbourne's own which was a great innovation. Remember those wonderful days, Bob? Uh, I do remember them vividly. It was an exciting period, that uh, decade of the 80s. Um, Everything changed. We went from uh, the VFL to the AFL. Uh, North Melbourne moved to the uh, MCG, snuck in in the middle of the dark night to... uh, take that up as a home get ground and uh, it was just a time when things were really happening uh, with the VFL and then later the AFL. Bob, just quickly, uh, and I'm sure they'll be touched upon, we're not doing this in any uh, in any sequential way, we're or toing and throwing, but I remember the days at North Melbourne, one thing I remember which was a which was a commonality with North Melbourne, our, 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 our fiscal policy, we're always insolvent, but Thanks to your great acumen, you floated us as a public company 
and <laughs> we just set us on the, on the second board in Tassie, weren't we? <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Was, the timing wasn't all that good because the share market crashed a month later. <laughs> but we, we raised $3 million and uh, with the floating of uh, North Melbourne and um, we paid up our debt, which was a million and a half, and we had a million and a half in in the bank, and it was that way for another couple of years. So uh, it paid off, but the shares didn't do all that well. It was a massive, well, the shares had to come into vogue later on, of course, when we reverted to orthodoxy with members, a member-driven club. But that's another aside, and some of the uh, colourful characters that owned some of those shares too, Bob, I might add, we, we, we had to crowbar them off them, we had to crowbar off them. Now, and just briefly, quickly, before we get into the nitty-gritty, uh, you look back uh, on North Melbourne as currently we are, and you must cringe sometimes at some of the decisions that were made and the way we're travelling uh, under the current administration and the current landscape, I guess. Well, it's, it's certainly disappointing. Um, uh, it was interesting you you asked me that question because I did watch the Sydney Swans play against Adelaide last weekend, and the Sydney Swans have taken a, a, a very different view toward growing their team and improving their team and uh, uh, instead of cutting 10 or 12 players at the end of the season they kept most of them and uh, one or two that retired but some of the young players they've brought into that side now are just awesome I mean that was one of the best games of football I've seen in quite a while when they played Adelaide it, uh, and it was indicative of uh, there are different ways of dealing with issues once you lose your momentum and and as North has, and, uh, and and it's been gradually occurring over the last probably five years, maybe even longer. So um, they've taken a different um, position, and they've uh, decided to get rid of a lot of players and bring others in. But uh, I, I think uh, we're looking at a, a long haul before they're really the before competitive the good time. team that, that but we But Sydney know. was smart, Bob. They they grew their own academy. I remember Basil Sellers and Peter Wynott and a yep. few of them got together and they developed an academy which they organically grew instead of yes. acquisitionally and it was a very, very smart move and they're reaping the benefits of it now. They sure are. They're going to be a real contender this year. Well, it uh, must be pleasing to you, uh, Bob, living in Queensland, as you have done for many, many years now, to see the development of both Sydney uh, and Brisbane from homegrown products, uh, whereas... In my time, you know, going way back, um, those two uh, states weren't really football states at all. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's uh, what I said initially, that during the 80s, uh, we went through this process of <clears throat> expanding into a national competition. And it was a really gutsy call at the time by the uh, VFL. And... <clears throat> And it, uh, it really did start the ball rolling toward one of the most dynamic competitions in the world. I mean, what they achieved in, that, in the 80s and have continued to pursue is a competition that's, that's awesome. I mean, to go through a pandemic we had last year and to observe what the AFL managed to do through that period was something that's really uh, ought to go in the record books. It was phenomenal. 
Bob, you were the chairman of the subcommittee that selected the original, not selected, recommended uh, the original commission for the AFL. And, were you uh, on that too? I, I got a feeling you were. I you? was, and the surprise was just on the day before it was announced, um, in Nixon, out Smith. Uh, Smith was a guy that used to run the Gas and Fuel Corporation and was highly That's thought right. of. Uh, Nixon, of course, was a highly thought of. I don't know how that happened um, or why it I happened. I'm not sure how it did, but I think we made a, a, a pretty good choice overall with the selection of that person. Oh, no doubt. Mm. Now, well, Nick, uh, 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 Nixon has been terrific. He's a the National Party. Uh, oh yeah, he was, yes. he was a yeah. minister, of the Fraser government, federal minister, and, mm. uh, and a lovely man, a, 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 a dyed-in-the-wool uh, Richmond supporter, yes. and uh, lives up in uh, and a mad fly fisherman, goes to Canada and fly fishing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Bob, they, they were heady days. And um, what got you involved with uh, footy, and more specifically, North Melbourne? Well, I went to live in the United States at the age of 10, and I uh, lived there for 20 years, so I, I really didn't know much about uh, Aussie rule football. I, I did go to Wesley College for, I think, a couple of years before I went to the States, and probably had some uh, engagement with it, but uh, I played American football for 10 years, and um, when I came back to Australia, I uh, one of the first things that I experienced, it was I think it might have been the Easter weekend, but it was certainly uh, about that time. And uh, I was invited by my cousin to go down to St. Kilda where uh, they were playing their first game at the Oval in St. Kilda. Uh, well, it wasn't in St. Kilda, it was in Moorabbin actually. Moorabbin, and, yeah. uh, uh, they played Collingwood. And uh, I, I had never seen anything like it. Everyone was standing on about four uh, box heights of beer. Um, uh, the language was just extraordinary. Fights <laughs> all around the ground. Uh, you went into the toilets and you didn't know, uh, you didn't stay long, I can tell you. At least um, you knew what gender you were then. <laughs> yeah, you did that, yeah, true. And then after it was over, we went to the Moravan Hotel and this is was the biggest shock of all. You you can't get near the county. You're about six or eight back, and uh, it was six o'clock closing. And and so people, you'd order six beers each, and they'd be passed back over the shoulders of everyone. It was a, an incredible induction into uh, well, Aussie rules football, I guess, to a large extent. But then um, one of my cousins uh, was a friend of Ron Barassi's and Ron was uh, then a playing coach at Carlton and um, so uh, I took up following the Carlton football team and learning a little bit about it and so forth um, and about two or three years later I, well uh, earlier I'd set up budget a uh, budget rent car and we moved our head office from Latrobe Street into North Melbourne and just coincidentally, that was the year that uh, Ron Barassi moved to North Melbourne. So um, I became one of the first uh, early Gold Pass members. I think there were 10 of us at, to start off with. And that's how it all began. Now, Bob, when you f came back from uh, the US of A, of course, a very famous name answer. Your father, of course, was 
the late Sir Reginald Ansett, who owned Ansett Airlines, and of course another thing was a car. I don't know from record, but it's, pub- it's public knowledge, I think, now, that you went to your old man and said, I'm looking for a job, and he told you to piss off. <laughs> I, I, I don't, well, we use the vernacular now because I suggest I, I, I would have I, I would have thought you would have you would have become accustomed to our culture by now after those six beers at Moravin. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, what a, uh, we'd come back uh, um, on a ship from we took a six week cruise from uh, the U.S. to uh, uh, to Sydney, and um, when we got we stopped at all the places along the way, um, and uh, when we got to Sydney, someone passed me the, uh, must have been the Melbourne age of all things, and a headline was a picture of me on one side and my father on the other side, and the headline read, no job for Bob. <laughs> so I was, I was prepared for what eventuated. So was that the motive for for uh, getting into, because you, know, you knew nothing about it, I think, I don't, I don't think you knew much about car rentals, but... You obviously put your head down. You learned a lot about it later on. But was it because of indictiveness, and was that the motivation uh, to oh, no. get into no, the? At that time, um, uh, I uh, my my dad made it pretty clear. Uh, look, I didn't uh, argue with him. He, uh, I, I never came back with the view that I would somehow be be the heir apparent. Yeah, well, but what he he just made very very properly just explained the reasons behind it. It was a public company, and you have to behave in a certain fashion. And he didn't. Um, and, and he thought it was inappropriate for him to hire me. So that was good. So I looked around. Um, I hired a neighbor's car to get an idea on what um, was available for me to some sort of a job. And when I hired the car, I, I looked at the car rental industry and discovered that was only one car rental company permitted at uh, Australian airports, and that was Avis. Uh, so there was no real competition because that's where the majority of the market was at that time in 1965. So I thought, well, uh, I'll set up uh, another company, and I registered the name Budget and, uh, uh, and established it in Latrobe Street in Melbourne. And, uh, and uh, as time went on, my dad, uh, near the end of his career, um, just prior to it being, bo- he being bought out or taken over by Abels and Murdoch, um, they bought Avis. Avis, the uh, owner of Avis, had died the year before, and he bought Avis. And uh, uh, so we were thrown into a level of pretty aggressive competition because we were becoming a real player then. And in fact, uh, a year after his death, we became the market leader, the largest car rental company in Australia. So it was a big fight, and a, but, but the, it, behind the scenes, there were no real hard feelings, but we, 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 we argued against one another in the media and, um, um, and uh, I won. And interestingly enough, uh, Bob, in those days, you know, of protectionism, I think they uh, it was a fifteen year contract uh, issued, weren't they, to Avis, the government, the Avis government control. Altogether, it was thirty years, and this was coming up to the end of a contract at the time I'm just referred to, and uh, so I ran a very major marketing campaign that uh, was uh, not about how good we were, um, but simply 
giving the Australian public a freedom of choice. And freedom of choice was our slogan for about three or four years until we ultimately succeeded with it. And you realised there was an issue or a point of difference. You had to strategically place yourself where the actual consumer had a choice and there was a point of difference which, uh, you know, drew them towards budget. And, of course, that was your great strength was your marketing. Well, it was a lot of fun. I I mean, it was a really, at a time in business when you could really have some fun. And uh, um, I I know that... uh, when I, I'm a director of a company called BSR, which is uh, the Better Electrical, Better Home Living Group in Australia, a national company. And, and we go through these board meetings each month and um, there's no fun. It's not the, uh, uh, it's so serious and you've got to be careful what you say and uh, how you behave. And I mean, I was in business at the right time that decade, like I liked football. I mean, it was a great decade. You're on Sport and Life. Our guest is uh, Bob Ansett. And uh, Bob, just uh, just back to the footy for a minute. You, uh, the North Melbourne t- uh, Club have been, I guess, blessed with having people like yourself, Aylett, Mantello, Holyoke, Ron Joseph, um, individual people who have really held it together over, well, the last 30 or 40 years. So... Um, it's an amazing sport in that way. Yeah, um, North. Um, uh, when you look back over their history, I think I'm right in saying the first time they ever finished very dead last in a competition was last year. I, I, I might be corrected on that, but um, I've heard that was the case, and I've tried to check it out. But uh, North has a, a, an incredible history of uh, really dyed-in-the-wool supporters. They, 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 they put up with a lot over the years, going back from really when they started in 1880 or whatever it was. And um, when you get involved with a club like North Melbourne, or certainly in my position as president at the time, um, you get caught up in that feeling that um, even though it was not a sport I was familiar with to start with, I, I just got caught up in the enthusiasm of the members and the supporters and all the rest of it. I used to, um, in those days, uh, before the season had started, uh, I would uh, uh, get a, a bunch of tickets and I'd walk up and down the streets in North Melbourne to all the shops and personally sell the tickets to the shop owners. I mean, that was how uh, how deeply the club was perceived in the neighborhood and so forth. And we sold all the tickets. It was uh, such a, and it was a good experience for me as president because I was talking to our supporters in a way that perhaps I wouldn't otherwise have had the opportunity to. So it was all those sort of things. The, 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 the basics of the game were so important. As you said, Ron Joseph, it was one of the, the best and, um, and uh, played such a significant role in the history of North. Uh, and Lloyd Hollyoke and uh, Alan Aylard, of course, even before that. But so, so I was stepping into an organization that had uh, an incredible reputation and, uh, uh, and that was very useful for me doing that. Well, on the fighting side of things, and you must have had some real fights at North to uh, to keep it afloat and keep it successful. But um, 
you did have a big fight once you moved to Noosa. And uh, this was away from football, of course. And um, uh, some uh, bright spark up there in Queensland wanted to amalgamate a number of the areas and uh, and uh, and make Noosa part of a great big uh, uh, area. Uh, and you saw value in Noosa remaining independent, and you won that fight too. Well, yes, that was a big fight. That that took six years, and. Uh, uh, the state government um, went through an amalgamation process of uh, they wanted to reduce the number of councils in Queensland by half um, right over the state and um, I uh, was the sort of the spokesperson against that and uh, it was uh, Peter Beattie to start with and later uh, 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 Rob Borbidge no, no, it was the female uh, uh, became the primest of uh, uh, light. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And, um, I mean, we really had some drag-out matches. There was really a, a time over that six-year period that we weren't involved in a major issue that uh, the media caught up with and, and of course, made a, a, a bigger thing of. But what ultimately happened was the, count, the, the state did merge the whole Sunshine Coast Council that would have made us the seventh, uh, sixth largest council in Australia, and it was to be managed, of course, by uh, the, the, those that were in the councils south of Brisbane. Um, we had two councillors on the new council, and from that day on, for the for the next four years, the tr duration of the council, uh, I had a newspaper article um, at least weekly, sometimes two or three times a week pointing out the destruction of Noosa and pointing out the things that were happening and what were going to happen in the not too distant future. In any event, uh, long story short, it took six years, but we won that. And it, I'm told it was only the second time in Australia's history that uh, once a council was forced to merge with another, uh, it de-amalgamated. And that council was uh, Mansfield up in, the, uh, 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 up in the snow area. And that was a much, much smaller council. So it was a, a big event. We had, a, a, we had the prime minister involved. We had... Uh, the governor involved. We had um, uh, one of the top journalists in Australia working with us. Uh, it was a massive campaign. But uh, Noosa is what it is today because uh, of our persistence and ensuring that uh, we, we remained an individual, independent region. Bob, uh, two things I found astounding. Uh, at a very early age, you know, you transformed the level of service. Service was... Uh, you know, just a it was just a throwaway line in this country. We knew nothing about it. We, you know, we used to charge delivery fees. Charge if you asked anyone what it's for, they said service. And if you asked anyone to explain service, they got no idea what it is. Uh, but you took it to another level, I think. Uh, and I read an interesting quote where you got off a plane and you went to your uh, your uh, respective site at the airport to budget, and you saw a crowd of people waiting to get their vehicle. So you hopped in behind the counter yourself, gave them the keys, but what you forgot, a little bit of detail, used to fill in the paperwork and get the money. <laughs> I was looking after the customer, and, uh, and you're, you're quite right. That's um, how we kind of differentiated ourselves from others. And 
all our managers and executives had to spend one day out of every month working the behind counter. the rental counter in one of our offices around Australia. And so uh, we, we, we made sure that we were all engaged and, uh, and provided the best service we possibly could. Now, Bob, the other thing that I've found absolutely, which to this day I still can't figure out because beyond my acumen, obviously, just being a migrant son who's just rummaged around at ground level for a few mere morsels. Uh, how does a $400 million empire, how does it crumble when you've got some of the great minds of the world like yourself at the helm? Now, I know, well, there, are, I know yeah. there are exterior forces at work which you can't control. But no, no, I'm quite, uh, quite, quite happy. Not happy, but I'm quite no. able to explain it. During that decade in which we, I spoke about um, being an outstanding time to be involved in football because of the changes that were occurring, um, I was also expanding the budget organisation um, throughout uh, Southeast Asia. Ultimately, I was asked to set it up in the UK, and and I was doing that. Uh, while I was president of the football club and uh, also Japan, another one, there would been no um, uh, car rental organization in Japan, set that up. And um, we're going along, sitting market leader, sitting on top of the ladder. And we had the share market crash that I spoke about earlier when uh, our shares were damaged in, uh, uh, in North Melbourne. And um, the share market crash led to uh, uh, the banks tightening up their... I had um, 12,000 rental cars in Australia in the fleet and um, 8,000 lease cars. That, um, and, and, of course, much of that was funded through the banks. And when the banks started tightening up their credit, uh, we were really under a, a hell of a lot of pressure. And then to top it off, uh, where we built the largest segment of our market uh, through the airline industry, the airlines uh, went on strike and uh, the pilots strike. Uh, all those three things occurred over a period of an 18 month period. And uh, even though I was able to fund the company for probably uh, about eight months before I couldn't do it any longer uh, and had to call in an administrator, um, we, we just found that uh, after a while, um, it, it, it just couldn't continue functioning as it was. Now the administrator um, came in and um, managed to get Budget America, who was one of my um, enemies, um, uh, in to buy the company. So the company never stopped trading. Um, everyone got paid, uh, but it was a, a, a very difficult time. I didn't get paid. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I had uh, a new industry I started into, which was uh, really, um, uh, providing customer service training to uh, uh, large corporations like the ANZ and so forth. And time went on. Well, I've got to tell you to this day, budget's still synonymous with the corporate world. You know, budget still, you know, drove your dollar further and all those wonderful sayings of yours are still very much uh, at the forefront of corporate Australia. So it really is a credit to you. You know, and you well, still regard it to this day, very, very highly regarded in terms of your marketing prowess. And I personally believe you're the renaissance of service in this country. You were the first one that sort of put value on the, on the, on the issue of service. 
Well, thank you for that. Um, um, and that's what I attempted to do. I wanted to, because when I came back, living in America for 20 years, at that stage, uh, America delivered the best service in the world. They were really good at it. What were you doing in America, Bob? What did you do in America? Where'd you live in Alaska at one stage, didn't you? What did you do there? Uh, yeah, well, I, I was lived in Southern California and uh, went to school there. And when I finished school, I, uh, I went up to Alaska and uh, uh, that, uh, because uh, they paid uh, enormous fees for pretty much just basic labor jobs. So I went up there and drove a taxi for a year, uh, only at night. Um, uh, and, what the meter, uh, what the value, what do you have to charge double in the night, did you? Yeah, just about. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then I got drafted in the U.S. Army. I, I spent uh, three years in the uh, military in Japan. Um, I was a paratrooper jumping out of airplanes. Uh, so I had a pretty good, uh, I mean, it was a great, I look back uh, and, you know, in your lives you have the good and the bad, but yeah. I've, I've lived a charming life. I mean, uh, a charmed life, I should say, uh, because, uh, you, you, you know, you've got, you build the confidence that even when you face a, a significant setback, and I did face a significant setback, um, you, you're almost immediately look, looking for a way out of it. And, uh, and, and well, uh, I, I achieved that. So I'm pretty happy. I've got my 88th birthday coming up. Uh, still able to run through the National Park to uh, swim each morning. Uh, and um, still involved in business with uh, as a director of BSR. So um, you, you couldn't ask, and, and having had that decade or more with North Melbourne, it's, it's really been a charmed life. Being utopia, and you're right, you've got a, well, we know your lucidity with your mind, it's, that goes without question. But I thought you would have left out a very, very important uh, factor in your life. I thought you would have made reference to her, but obviously you wanted all the accolades, but you. I think Josie's been a fairly good backup too for you, has she not? No, she's been more than that. She's <laughs> a brains. <laughs> she directs me. Well, no, she she worked for budget for quite a while, and I know. Uh, she played a big part in uh, in the development of the company and uh, uh, the training of the employees and uh, the uniforms that we got, which were always very very attractive uniforms. Yeah, she's uh, a great woman. <clears throat> did a lot of things and uh, so yeah I I, I didn't um, intentionally overlook uh, Josie's role in the business and, and my life well it uh, wasn't from a disparaging sense or denigrating you but I just thought it would have been a nice no, little segue for you to throw in glad you did Bob <laughs> what was the uh, what was the move to Noosa all about what did you have a background there uh, no um I had a, uh, one of our budget conferences in Noosa um, back in the, uh, oh, it would have been probably about 88. Uh, and uh, I thought, gee, this is a unique spot. A lot of Victorians, it was the, uh, uh, a lot of people came up from Torquay. The surf was That's right. really good here. Young, young name Joe. Yeah. Uh, Scro, uh, anyway. Scro, the uh, real estate agent, Ronnie Scro. He was yeah, one of the early yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, there were a lot more. And in fact, the house that we live in, I, I bought initially, they, it was built uh, and lived in by some Torquay guys. Um, uh, what I was going to say was that um, when I, after the, the dramas and uh, uh, the late, uh, during the airline strike and so forth, that we came up here for, I had bought the house a couple of years earlier, and I came up here for 
the Christmas holidays, which we often did. And um, uh, it was just at a time when computers were coming into play, uh, the, uh, the Wi-Fi and um, uh, all the other uh, emails and so forth. And uh, I said I was then on the speaker circuit doing, uh, doing what uh, Sam does uh, on a regular basis, uh, not quite in that category of quality of speaking that he, he uh, handles, but uh, I did my best. And, Stop uh, being patronising and condescending, <laughs> Bob. It doesn't suit you. <laughs> doesn't suit me, okay. Anyway, uh, I was uh, actively involved in that and also in the training programs for corporations. So <clears throat> I said to Josie after Christmas holidays, look, I reckon now with the computers and things, I could do this, the jobs I'm doing now just as well from Noosa as I can from Melbourne. We had an airstrip just a short distance away. So um, we said, well, give it six, uh, give it six months. We'll move up there, uh, give it six months. We gave it six weeks, made her mind up, went back, sold the house in Melbourne and uh, and moved to Noosa. And it's now 20 odd years, 22 years, I think it is, that we've been here and it has been fantastic. I mean, it's just such a good lifestyle. It's just so good. We have Bob Ansett with us on uh, Sport and Life, and that's brought to you, of course, with the compliments of Mitchelton. Well, what do you think about Mitchell? What's that one like you're having now? Well, you know my favourite Mitchelton drop is well, the print. print. It's yes. a print. But, I know it's a top end of the food chain, or the, uh, the, uh, the grape chain, but it is a delightful drop. The tannins are rich. It's smooth. It just slides down your uh, throat. Yes. And the great thing about Mitchelton, you yearn for more all the time. But as you know, you and I, responsible drinking is always exactly a part of our mantra. So uh, we thank uh, Mitchelton for that, and also the Prince of Wales who hosts our uh, our, our, our podcast. We uh, do that here in uh, uh, St Kilda, uh, and it's uh, just a great thrill to have Bob Ansett. Bob, um, one thing I was going to ask you about: uh, Did you have an opinion about the 2007 North Melbourne? opportunity if you like to go to the Gold Coast? <laughs> I sure did. I, uh, what I didn't mention is that even though uh, our shares crashed after the, uh, uh, the share market crash, um, because I underwrote the, uh, uh, the, the IPO, so to speak, um, I was awarded with, uh, I think it was something like about thousand uh, B-class shares, which had a voting power of 15 to 1. And uh, I uh, hung on to those shares. And when um, Andrew Demetrio, um, I met him in, on the Gold Coast and was uh, he was uh, pushing hard to uh, get North Melbourne onto the Gold Coast at the time. Um, I uh, explained to him that um, there was me and another uh, one other person in North Melbourne, Peter Durash, who also had the B class shares. We had the numbers to prevent it from happening. So um, as long, when they realised that, um, they uh, well, they couldn't do anything more about it really, and so it didn't happen. But yes, I was very much opposed to it. I mean, once you've been involved with the North Melbourne Football Club, you're not going to you're not going to go anywhere else. I mean, than North Melbourne. That's where its home is. That's where its birth was, and that's where it is going to stay. Bob, can I just pose this to you? 
and I totally concur with you. I think our spiritual link's always going to be with Arden Street. But the contemporary landscape of the, the way the game's played, do you see any difference in being relocated? When you consider the, uh, the benefits from, you know, uh, fiscal autonomy, for argument's sake, financial autonomy, which we would have had been granted a wonderful, wonderful deal right across the board, uh, uh, player list, the whole lot. I know there was a doubt in the, in the, the old uh, hierarchy regarding the being somersaulted by the AFL by having numbers on the board and in ultimate and due course eroding into it and eroding into it where we'd be taken, finally taken over. But surely some, you could have had a rider clause in there somewhere on the line to prevent that ever happening could, and the benefits uh, derived from it. Um, look, I, I, North Melbourne has now, even though its success on the field has been diminished enormously over the last five years. Um, they're still financially pretty sound, as I understand it. They've pretty much got all their debt paid off, and that's after building all the facilities down there at Arden Street and opening it up to the North Melbourne community and the things that they've done some really good things, even though their success hasn't been on the football field. And that's a it's a great pity, um, but you recover from those things. I, I, I think they've got the foundation more so now than they've ever had to be able to cope with the current misfortune and to rebuild and get back into that premiership category where we felt very confident and familiar with in the 70s and 80s and 90s. What do you view in Australia? How do you think Australia's um, tracking? I think we've uh, proven uh, in this during this pandemic that we're probably one of the luckiest countries in the world and that we're showing that we've got the quality and capability of managing a di- very, very difficult situation. Uh, I'm, I'm a little uh, disappointed in, uh, in the politics of the country, uh, but as a country, uh, I think that uh, we can feel blessed that uh, we, we, we live in this island country that we, we, we do live in. And, and our future is, I mean, living 20 years in America, I lived in America during the time was its greatest moment in history. That 20 years I was there from 45 to 65, America, there was nothing you couldn't achieve in America. You just, it was a country that was just beyond the realm of any sort of high expectation. It was beyond it. Well, every crack dealer will tell you that. It started to deteriorate, and it has. And, and you look at the great uh, societies of all times, they all go through their highs and lows, and yeah. um, they, uh, America's going through that now. And, uh, boy, um, I, 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 I was talking to a, a very, very senior person in Ford Motor Car Company in America. He's just retired recently, and... Uh, he said the biggest mistake, he was based in Australia, and he said the biggest mistake I've made in my life was leaving Australia, and he was an American, of course. Bob, uh, your tool of trade has always been your eternal optimism. You still optimistic? <laughs> true. <laughs> I think that's a fair comment. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's and true. that's not being, that's I, not... That's many not, people have said that. <laughs> have they? Well, yeah. I, uh, I think I know, I've read enough of your books and I know a bit about you to be able to form that opinion. But, uh, yeah, you, the other thing I didn't do, by the way, I, I wasn't sure whether it would be appropriate, but uh, I was going to say the best uh, deliverer 
of stationery to the budget organization was a guy called Sam Kekovich for a while. Thank you. You remember that? I do, very vividly. <laughs> and I'd like to thank you the opportunity of giving me your account, or part of it. <laughs> that was a very nice gesture. Now, Bob, uh, are you still optimistic about uh, the game, the country, uh, our diversity, our uh, prosperity, our in- inclusiveness? Well, um, I have to say yes to that because even though you go through a year where <clears throat> most of the small businesses were severely damaged and the corporations were damaged, we came out of it um, in uh, with a. I, I I can't believe. I mean, we're, we take it for granted now, but when we came out of that and the realization the debt was nowhere near what it was expected to be because of the, uh, the job keeper programs and all the other ones that were put together to keep us alive as a nation. Um, we came out of it, uh, as far as I can tell, better than any other country in the world. So uh, we, we've got the skills to do it, um, but we get caught up too much in the squabbling and the political scene. It's, um, I, I think that's something that... Uh, that's a bit embarrassing. We've got to do much better in the political scene, get better political leaders. And uh, if we can do that and do it, I think, relatively quickly, we've got to jump on everyone else. I mean, even the Chinese um, are are trying to um, damage us significantly and and overpower us with uh, the things that they're capable of doing. But, uh, uh, you know, we're we're managing that okay. And... um, uh, and and getting a stronger, getting people to stand for government that are much better equipped um, is probably what I, I would say is the most important thing we can do is to get real quality people into. And we had it. We've had it uh, in the past, so we can do it again. And finally, Bob, uh, how much lamb have you got in the fridge? <laughs> Uh, it'll be full absolutely full thanks mate I I don't see enough of your commercials they don't show them up here Uh, I I see the odd one now and then what's going on it's every year on Australia Day you should see this she's Google it I'm in a tank breaking down that wall you erected keeping us out (laughs) it is truly you Google it have a look at it this has been Sport and Life with a compliment of Mitchell and, and the Lamb Board. <laughs> we, we thank Bob Ansett sincerely for being with us today. Thanks for your time, Bob, and we wish you a happy birthday for the 88th coming up. 88th indeed, coming so. Yep. Co- coming up, I, I stopped having birthdays after my 69th, yeah. and then after that it's an anniversary. So yeah. I, I've got, I'm 69 years of age and I'm, I'm having my uh, 19th anniversary coming up. He's sprightly as ever, I'm telling you. And by the way, if you want better leaders in the country, get rid of preferencing. Uh, just a little aside for you. Great to talk to you, mate. This has been Sport and Life with Sam Kegovich and Leon Wegard and Bob Ansett. Uh, uh, we do thank Bob for being with us. Next week, uh, we hope to have Pumper. Yes, Jim Cassidy, uh, the great Melbourne Cup winning jockey. 